Absolutely. I, I would have that same relationship, but I never tried to get them to be me, be my level. I was just giving them information for them to pass a test or turn in an assignment. And uh, I, so I honestly, if I, if I ever have the chance, I, I never plan to leave doctoral work. That is the level at which I now enjoy that mentorship. I love building students to become colleagues. Uh, and that's absolutely my goal now, uh, anytime I deal with students. You're listening to The Leader's Lab with Dr. Charity TV. Welcome to The Leader's Lab, the podcast created to help millennial multi-passionate entrepreneurs build, organize, launch, and manage their online brands and businesses without losing balance. And now, here's your host, the digital organization development consultant, cross-cultural communications specialist, and your favorite global leader, Dr. Charity C. Campbell. Hey, 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 Entre Leaders. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the 48th episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. We are continuing today with our Life After Doctor mini-series. Actually, you know, I, I don't think I can call it a mini-series anymore because I've had so many guests now. So, series. Um, and today's guest uh, actually played a very important role uh, played a very, very important role with me choosing what university I was going to go to. Um, I mean, the program and everything. So I'm pleased to introduce our guest for today. His name is Dr. Christopher Linsky. Dr. Christopher Linsky completed his doctorate in management and postdoctorate in higher education leadership from Colorado Technical University. Some of his scholar practitioner research has included the examination of Army non-commissioned officers' leadership behaviors, higher education support for disabled student veterans, nonprofit organization interventions, and generational shifts in theological preferences. Dr. Linsky began his professional background with military service during the global war on terrorism and Operation Iraqi Freedom. After retiring, he began work as a civilian employee for the Department of Defense. His passion for military veterans continued through the creation of a student organization, a student veteran organization, and a transitioning veterans organization. He is also an executive officer for the Veterans of Foreign Wars. Additionally, Dr. Linsky previously owned a management consulting company in Colorado, focusing on human capital and process improvement. He has also served as a member of various community boards and committees in the fields of juvenile criminal justice, professional development, and doctoral academics. He specializes in providing companies with strategic guidance and organizational development expertise. Dr. Linsky has teaching experience, including undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral programs in criminal justice, homeland security, business management, executive leadership, and research. He is currently a full-time professor of doctoral studies and adjunct senior dissertation chair. 
He also serves as an assistant karate instructor. I hope we're going to get into that a little bit more and talk about that. But he also <laughs> serves as an assistant karate instructor and holds the rank of first degree black belt. Dr. Linsky also returned to school and is currently pursuing a master's degree in jurisprudence. The greatest personal interest for Dr. Linsky is his family. And it's one of the things that I admire most about him, his wife, Mandy, his eight-year-old daughter, and his four-year-old son. Without further ado, Entre Leaders, please help me welcome our special guest for today, Dr. Christopher Linsky. Welcome to the Leaders Lab, sir. Hello, thank you, Dr. Charity, for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I am so happy to have you here with me. First of all, I remember when we connected back in 2000, uh, it's about 2012, 2013, when uh, I was curious about CTU and I was like, mm, I don't really know if it's going to be like too much of a workload. I don't know about the whole symposiums every quarter and doing everything online. Like, I just, I don't know. And before I make a decision, I would really like to speak to someone. So the university, uh, they connected me with, with you. Um, and, and I was just like, oh, wow, like, this is pretty cool. I think we also like connected on social media somehow. And um, I just bombarded you with questions. <laughs> bombarded you with questions and you were so patient with me so yeah i i will never forget that never forget that me either uh honestly uh, one of the most uh interesting but most beneficial things in my life uh post doctorate or even while i was in my doctoral program has been guiding future students and uh now in my current role getting those students to complete a doctoral degree and be one of the people that have an influence on that journey. And uh, you are no exception. Uh, I am extremely pleased that you uh, joined us at Colorado Technical University. And I'm extremely pleased with uh, all of the progress you have made uh, both in your academic and professional life since our degrees. Well, thank you. you know, I'm actually, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep up with you. Prior to us starting the show, I told him, I literally love watching his life on social media because he has the whole balance thing down together. Like he has the, you know, the family time, which I love, you know, he has the family time. He has the, I, I remember, I remember when I saw your post about uh, becoming a black belt and I was like, what in the world? I was like, Chris is doing everything. He out here kicking people. Like, I mean, he's just, he is getting it. And still, and still, you know, working in, in the realm of academia. So what is that like for you? Because having that balance, you know, having, I, I, I admire it so much. So what is that like for you? Balance of work life is, is actually very difficult. Um, I, I like to tell people it's, it's really, it's really for show. <laughs> um, and really the only reason I can do everything that I do, uh, is because I do it all from home. I teach online. Um, my family, of course, here at home, I'm able to watch my kids grow up. And that was the most important factor for me when I looked at changing careers and moving into academia. Uh, I had to be able to be at home and, and not spend eight to 12 hours a day uh, away from my kids. 
So that was the number one uh, most important thing and, and will always be when I choose both careers and my pastime activities. Uh, so I'm going to jump straight into karate just for you, Dr. Charity. Um, so uh, my karate uh, career, uh, as it were, started with my daughter. And so she uh, needed something to do. And uh, my wife and I decided, you know, that might be a great opportunity. Uh, we found a karate school that focused on self-defense, uh, which, of course, at the time she was uh, about four years old. And so it was really impressive that the school that we went to uh, really focused on what we call TOTS and self-defense for little kids. And so she went and started her first couple of classes. And I think I sat through two classes before I said, you know what, I'm going to start this too. And uh, it's been four years now, and uh, I've completed my black belt and uh, started teaching last year just before COVID. And so it's been an amazing journey in addition to all of the other things that happen in life. And uh, another key note to make on that, though, is uh, I got my wife involved six months later. I brought home a uniform and said, I signed you up. You're going to start on Monday. And she just this weekend uh, passed her last test before she can move on to black belt screenings. So she's uh, hopefully in the next six months also going to be a black belt. That is so cool. So you, so now, and you have a four-year-old son who I, I guess at some point he's probably also going to be inducted into the karate, the, the Linsky Karate Society. Yes. <laughs> That's what we're going to we, call it. We spent actually this past weekend um, uh, kind of preparing him. So, uh, you know, seeing if he's ready, uh, going through some of our basic moves, uh, essentially to see if at four years old, if he's able to sit still for a 45 minute class. He's not quite there yet. We're going to give him till the spring. Uh, but definitely, he's gonna he's gonna put that uh, uh, Linsky name to another use in the our uh, karate community. That's there now what I'm calling you, the Linsky <laughs> Karate Collective. Okay, and you must spell collective with the K because you have Linsky with the K and All you right. have karate. So I'm just saying, Excellent. like I mean, this is just that I think that's beautiful. Do you, do you see, Entre Leader? This is what I'm talking about when I say that you know I admire that the way that he he really he really prioritizes family um and and i also appreciate you saying that you are you're able to do this the primary reason you're able to do this is because of your position of being able to work from home absolutely know, to, to do the things that you do from home um not too long ago the bureau of labor statistics with the united states department of labor they reported that people with any type of doctoral degree can earn over 50% more than those with a master's degree. And you know, we're in the sphere now. Well, for us, for I feel like for us it's it's not anything new to learn from home and to work from home because the majority of our doctoral program as a hybrid student was we are learning, we're learning online, we're learning from home, but every every quarter we had to go to our symposiums, to our residencies and so so I working from home doing what we do from home of course is is i don't feel like there was a learning curve for us absolutely came, not you know when COVID hit yes well and that's the most important thing uh for a lot of uh, both people but also companies is understanding that uh, there are a lot of people that were doing this before COVID. 
And so, you know, I've, I've been doing online education over 10 years uh, in conjunction with hybrid courses and, and ground courses. But, you know, moving into the ability of doing that exact same thing on the administrative side or on the faculty side was absolutely no yeah. different. Uh, the only difference is the communication. Uh, you do more communication through uh, electronic means and stuff. Uh, versus as a student where you don't usually talk as much versus, uh, you know, of course, administration, lots of meetings. Uh, and that's really actually beneficial uh, because I've, uh, as I tell people, I like to say I have ruined my capability of ever working a nine to five job. And that's not for a bad thing. Absolutely. I think it's uh, going to be really important for me <laughs> continuing all the things that I do. Uh, but I have spoiled myself from working from home and being able to be with my kids and so at least until my kids are out of the house, I, I, I think I'm stuck with remote work. I agree with you. Like I, I love, I'm, I'm actually transitioning uh, next year. At, all right, some big changes are happening with me. Um, and so I will be doing more of the work that I love, but also I have been, you know, I want to make sure that I stay in academia at some, you know, to some extent, to some degree, because um, I have, like you said, We've been we've been doing hybrid programs now for for over about over ten years. Even even um, I was fortunate enough to snag a job teaching online for uh, about two and a half years with Southern New Hampshire University's. Uh, we we used to call it distance learning. Do you remember yes. that? Yes. <laughs> we used to call it distance learning before you know everybody's saying like online and things like that. But uh, so I used to. Uh, I worked with uh, Southern New Hampshire University in their communications department and taught several courses for them in that. So for me, I was like, this is what I want to do, you know, because at some point, like like you are currently living now, at some point, I do want to be able to uh, have my family and see my children grow up and not be absent from their lives because, you know, mommy's working so hard or daddy's working so hard trying to make sure that they build this legacy, forgetting that the legacy begins with your children, you know, those who you have with you. So exactly. um, it sounds like, and I don't want to assume, but it sounds like some of the highs and lows that you've had, uh, or well, maybe just the highs that you've had after receiving your doctorate is spending time with your children um, and your family and seeing them grow. But what what are some of the other maybe highs and then also the lows that you've experienced after receiving your doctorate? Well, the, the highs absolutely have been my ability to make an impact. Uh, and most of that's been in nonprofit work, but even in some you know, organizations through consulting is really being able to put my name on something and showing that uh, I was there to impact that organization, make it better. Uh, or at least to improve the way it operates, the way that it handles its customers, its clients. Uh, but I would say the number one highest uh, professional accolade outside of my, my role in academia is my work with a teen court uh, program. And as a board member and a government governance chair uh, for a teen court organization, I really got to understand the differences that have occurred in life for children uh, since you know I was a kid. Life has changed so much. There are so many more stressors on teenagers these, these days. And it's difficult for anybody who doesn't take the time to uh, really watch teens grow up. Uh, and I don't have a teen yet. And so uh, 
I, I had a rude awakening uh, when I joined this organization about the, the demands that teenagers have, uh, drug use, alcohol use, uh, you know, assaults, bullying, all kinds of things. And so my ability uh, over about three years working with that organization to ensure that it was receiving grants necessary, updating policies, procedures, um, and assisting with their programs directly uh, as a mentor and uh, working with the teens directly and understanding how to make their lives better. And uh, most importantly for that organization was making sure that they didn't remain in the criminal justice system as a juvenile. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important thing. And the fact that I at least hopefully had one teenager that changed their life, went on a new direction uh, because of something I said, something I did, something I helped with is absolutely the highest thing I could think of. Beautiful. Um, I was going to ask what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of, of having your doctorate. But for me, I don't see that as, I see that totally as, a, as an advantage, but not because you have your doctorate. I just see that as an advantage because of the work that you do, because of your work <laughs> ethic, you know, because of that. Um, but what would you, would you say that having this opportunity came as a result of having your doctorate or maybe it was just because of your experiences? You know, it's kind of both. Uh, and the, uh, the initial reason I, I joined that organization was because of one of my other uh, colleagues in the program, uh, who is a graduate of Colorado Technical University. And uh, he was on the board before me. And he said, you know, we need somebody uh, with the organization development skills. We're looking at revamping these programs. And so it was both my network uh, but it was also because I had the, the knowledge and education and experience that came with that degree. And so without having it, I, I definitely wouldn't have ever gotten that position uh, just because I wouldn't have had that network and I wouldn't have had the uh, information and knowledge available to make those changes. Obviously, that was, you know, open doors, access to inaccessible, previously inaccessible things. Um, but uh, what, what, what would you say are some of the advantages and disadvantages of having your doctorate? The very first advantage, and it really started as soon as I started my doctoral degree, um, was that it opened up different uh, fields, different industries that I had never thought about getting into. My undergraduate and graduate degrees were in criminal justice and homeland security. As being a retired uh, military service member, that's you know where I just naturally ended up. Uh, but once I got into my doctoral degree, uh, I had to do some research studies uh, during the program, during some coursework. And one of those was actually working with a nonprofit organization, which ended up being a domestic abuse organization. And I worked with them on you know, implementing uh, volunteer, uh, volunteer training programs and making sure that their onboarding of, of new volunteers was beneficial. They were uh, retaining those volunteers. And so as soon as I did that uh, research study, I actually changed my doctoral degree. Uh, my concentration was Homeland Security before that. I actually changed it to organization development because I knew that that idea of process improvement was exactly what I wanted to do. And that qualitative piece of talking to people 
uh, I, I really understood that I wanted to be a human capital specialist. Like I love wow. dealing with people. I love talking to people. But more importantly, I like to try to make people's lives better. And so that's absolutely the number one advantage was I would have never have thought of any of those things before I started my doctoral program. However, there are, of course, disadvantages. Um, unfortunately, the first disadvantage really comes uh, to, in today's realm of uh, social media. Um, when you go out and you provide an opinion and you have a doctoral degree, you don't really have your opinion anymore. Uh, and it's difficult to understand that. But people say, well, you know, you're a doctor, you must know everything. So your opinion must be based on fact. And yes, I try to research every comment I ever make on social media because I want to make sure that it cannot be construed as misinformation. But sometimes it's just my opinion. Sometimes I just want to say, no matter what the facts are, this is what I'm going to do because I believe in it. And of course, in a post-COVID world that got uh, you know, significantly worse in terms of trying to provide your own opinion. Yeah, uh, yeah. But most people also don't understand the difference between doctoral degrees. And so understanding what my specialty is, my, my specialty is organization development. I work in understanding business and how people work and operate and how to improve that. So most of the time, my opinion has nothing to do with that. Uh, so the disadvantage really is understanding what is that line between coming off as an expert in your field and providing scientific fact-related uh, conversation versus providing my own opinion and letting people know, first of all, this is my opinion. Please note that before making comments. You know, how do you get people to respect that to say, to, for them to understand, listen, Yes, I am Dr. Linsky, but what you are reading today is my opinion and not fact based on, you know, research right now. Or or is it that you always have to because I feel like I feel like like you said, then it puts us in a position to where we're no longer able to really just be ourselves. Like, I, I think I think people forget that. Yeah, because I, you know, just because I have doctor in front of my name doesn't, it doesn't mean that I'm not a, a real person anymore. That's one of the reasons why I love the fact that you showcase um, things that you do with your family, like the karate, like that was a highlight for me when I'm like, okay, you're out here kicking people. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're still human. And, and I, that's one of the reasons why I still have, you know, I have my travel brand and I have my uh, my health and wellness brand because just because I have Dr. Charity TV, that's not all who I am. You know, I still I'm still having components of who I was before I ended up having, you know, the credentials and, and the doctoral degree and things like that. So how when you make these statements, do you feel like you always need to preface it with saying this is my opinion? Or, you know, or this is, yes. you know, this is my expertise. Like, exactly. how do you feel about that? Well, so it, it kind of goes two ways. So when it is my expertise and um, unfortunately, I, I have seen, especially with the increase in social media, uh, that a lot of people no longer use education as a basis for expertise. And so mm. I get a lot of comments. Well, that doesn't make you an expert. Um, sure. I understand that. And if you have more knowledge and more experience or you have more facts that will back up your position, please share. I am a lifelong learner, which is why I'm still in college. I think I'm in my 12th year of college. Uh, you know, I have to understand that there's absolutely chances that 
other people know more than me. And I am absolutely okay with uh, taking new knowledge and incorporating it and changing my opinion. But if you're countering my factual statements, my empirical-based statements with your opinion, then I have to let you know that my expertise outweighs your opinion. So that's one of the hardest things, especially in social media work. Sometimes it's you know arguing with people you don't know, and sometimes they just argue for argument's sake. And I will tell you, which will lead into something you'll, you'll enjoy, is that's why I switched to TikTok last year. Uh, so I did move mostly from Facebook. Uh, I still have Facebook, uh, but I use TikTok because TikTok allows me to simply have more fun with discussions. And when I first joined TikTok, it was a post-COVID. You know, everybody's doing it. There's you know nothing else to do while we're all sitting at home. And so I got on for the trends. I got on for the music and the you know, lip syncing and all of that. And I did a few of those, uh, but I also tried to add in some knowledge pieces. I tried to uh, you know, provide some expertise, but then it really just became personal. Uh, I just started talking to people, uh, giving my opinions without having that preface that this is, this is not an expert opinion. This is me trying to be Chris, uh, not Dr. Linsky. I told you before that I was going to ask you about the whole TikTok thing. Like, what are you doing on TikTok? Like, <laughs> honestly, there have for for a for some time now, for some time, like going back into definitely last year. Um, you know, people. So, so we actually have um, it, TikTok is a part of ByteDance Company, which is here in China. It's based here in China, and so here in China we have uh, the Chinese version of TikTok, which is. Um, Douyin, and that started first. So I had an account with Douyin, and you know I was here trying to do it, but everybody, they, you know, you have to have subtitles and everything. So I'm just like, ah, I don't want to really do it. Then, then literally the next year, there's TikTok, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like TikTok is released, and you know people are getting on it, and they're like, oh, this there's this new sensation, and in my mind, I'm like, it's really not new. Like it's super popular <laughs> in China. Like I just. I literally just said no to the version of China and now the whole world is TikToking. And so um, so people were like, oh, you should have a TikTok. And I'm like, no, because I don't wanna do, I don't wanna have to, you know, do the, do things that I'm not really interested in, you know, just to, just for trend's sake. Uh, yes. But then I started seeing, I started seeing more businesses, you know, and, and entrepreneurs using it to share their opinions and their expertise in ways to where, you know, some of them were doing my style where they're just talking to the camera, giving bite-sized pieces of information. And they had like all these views, no subtitles, by the way, no subtitles, just views. And I'm like, hmm. So when I saw that you had TikTok and I'm like, well, what are you doing on TikTok? <laughs> Uh, my, my TikTok is, is not very popular. I've not gone viral yet. Uh, you never know, right? After this, you know, Dr. Charity is going to help me out. Uh, I really, I started first, um, actually, I jumped on with my, my military experiences, uh, which was, you know, I, I've got a lot of followers and I follow a lot of people who are just, you know, military service members and veterans. And so building that community where, uh, you know, in the, com the community of the military, it's really difficult sometimes after you discharge from the military to stay connected with the military uh, community. 
I specifically used that platform to kind of engage with what is current in the military. Uh, I've been out of the military since 2007, so a lot has changed. Uh, and, and just the way people are, are really the connections that are necessary. Uh, social media has been a really good influencer in being able to stay connected with people, and uh, the military is no different. So that's what started. Uh, but I honestly didn't have a lot of military content because I am a veteran. So uh, there's only so many stories I can tell. Uh, so I started moving into just, you know, here's my, my tip of the day, my opinion of the day, and sometimes my uh, opinion that nobody else is going to like, but I'm going to say it anyway <laughs> because I want to get it out there. And it's not on Facebook, so all of the people I know don't necessarily uh, know that opinion. So it's kind of a more freeing experience to be able to, to talk more real. Uh, my Facebook has a lot of professional contacts, so especially my LinkedIn is uh, all professional contacts. And so some of those personal opinions you just don't share with those groups. So uh, this allowed me to do both. I love it. So you, you make sure that you use TikTok to basically be free i mean that's that's what it sounds like to me i mean like you yes. just i mean to be yourself to be free and to not have to have you know people who who know a certain version of you to yes. you know to be held to their expectations and honestly that's one of the reasons why i have a personal facebook but i literally never ever like i'm never on my personal facebook i i may get on my my business Facebook, Dr. Charity TV, because I'm posting things there, you know, or I'm passively sending things through there. But I use Instagram, I use LinkedIn, I use Twitter, you know, and and um, I do. I have literally, I have one video on TikTok. <laughs> I have one video on TikTok, and I think it has like 477 views. That's you know, and I was surprised that I got that. Like that that's was like my average, ago. so you're doing good. <laughs> that was like months ago, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't really know, like, but but 2022, 2022, I am, I am going to be intentional about TikTok and Twitter, and uh, continue with Instagram because I've gotten much much better with Instagram. Like 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 I told you before the show, living here in China, you know, I'm using uh, all Western social media platforms that really they're they're not allowed in China. And I have to do that through different workarounds. And so uh, if if I were to be lazy or just not care, like you said, if I just really don't feel like hearing someone, you know, f bickering about my opinions or, or trying to, you know, compare that with someone else's expertise, then I would just be like, you know what? I don't need to use social media. But in reality, I do because of the nature of my brands and my business. So um, I, I love that you brought that up uh, because it means that it's not just me who's like, you know, sometimes you just sometimes you just want to show all of you as a holistic being, not just I'm not one dimensional, you know, like I'm not one dimensional. It's not just Dr. Charity. It's not just Dr. Christopher. You know, we, we, we have multiple sides to us. And again, I cannot say this enough. I love how you display that. Um, even on LinkedIn, I think I found, I, I'm not sure, but I think it was on LinkedIn where you where you were talking about the karate and the black belt. Like I was like, yes. Chris, this is genius. You put it on LinkedIn. And, and I only put it on LinkedIn because of course, you know, that's my personal side. So I usually wouldn't. 
but this, the post you probably saw uh, was when I went to a, a national uh, competition. And so that championship was my first national competition uh, as a, uh, a karate uh, expert at that time. I had finally gotten my black belt. And so this was my first real competition. And I did pretty well. I got a, a first, a second, and a third place. So I'll, I'll take those. Uh, but it really, it showed that no matter what else I was doing, like I could still have personal time. I could still have a quality hobby. Um, because one of the things when we start karate, especially at my age, and I, I'm still under 40, uh, but uh, in karate years, that's pretty old uh, to start karate. And so, you know, we're always told you, there's only so much you can do at your age uh, as, a, as a martial artist. And so when I started, it was just for fun. It was just because, you know, my daughter was doing it. I wanted to be around her, but it looked like fun. But then I started and really got into it myself. And then it became a personal goal to get that black belt. And then once I got that, it was like, well, now I need to show it off, right? I, I need to show how good I am because I reached this level. And so, yes, I, I posted that on LinkedIn. I got some, a really good response. Uh, a lot of people responded to it and a lot of people liked it. And, and what it showed is people actually want to see both sides of you uh, if it's in a positive manner. And so while I won't be sharing my, my personal family stuff or anything like that, uh, I treat my karate career as another profession. And so when I use that, it really is saying I'm, I'm not just an academic. I'm not just a, a retired service member. Um, there are more things in life that are going to happen, and I'm still very young. And so I'm going to continue to hit as many milestones as I can. Uh, I told my wife yesterday uh, when she got her last uh, belt before her black belt, uh, my next goal and my next goal is fifth degree black belt, which usually takes about 15 years. So I've got a very long plan uh, in, in terms of my hobby that I now consider uh, an additional profession. I, I love the fact that you said I'm not just an academic. I feel like that needs to be a campaign. Like <laughs> when you said it, when you said it, it just moved everything in me. I'm like, that's the story of my life. Like, you know, I'm not, not just an academic. There are so many other pieces to me and so many other uh, uh, pieces to the puzzle of my life. And I love that. I love that. Has it been for you? Uh, a struggle because for me, I've been trying to find how do I, how do I make everything come together? You know, because generally when I see all of my professors that I still admire and adore to this day, when I look at them um, in CTU, I feel like they brought the diversity, you know, because they were, uh, they were entrepreneurs. As many of them were entrepreneurs. They also were our, you know, academics and, and then they had other things going on in their life. And I'm just like, wow. Now, of course, with their students, they didn't necessarily share that, but you could see um, through some of the stories that they sh that you know they shared, especially after graduating, becoming colleagues with them, being able to you know learn more about them and their lifestyle. But traditionally, traditionally speaking, many of many of the professionals or the academics that I saw, they were just so serious. You know, they were just so serious in academics, and their you know their their primary focus was on publishing and having. 
uh, having that type of that type of title or that type of respect and reverence where the only thing they did seemingly the only thing they did was, you know, academics. Um, and but now I honestly I feel like this and maybe I feel like this because this is me, but I feel like there's a new dynamic where it's like hashtag not just an academic like I'm loving that like what you said seriously but I'm feeling like that's the thing you know I'm not just an academic I I have other things in life that life is meant to be fun I can't be you know uptight and only just so have you have you noticed that as well I mean yes it it really becomes a, a difference based on the level of education that you're teaching um, and the reason I say that is uh, when I started teaching doctoral programs, uh, I got my doctorate at 29 years old, uh, and I started teaching at 28 years old. And so uh, by the time I completed my doctorate, uh, most of the students that I had were much older than I am. And that's still true today. And so uh, I will have even my current students, um, I retired as a, as a non-commissioned officer in the Army, and I have colonels, you know, in, in my programs that are my students, and they are probably 25, 30 years older than I am. And so when you have uh, the title, uh, both the, as the professor, it's understanding that there has to be a balance. Yes, I am Dr. Linsky to my doctoral students. And yes, uh, I'm gonna share with you my professional side 99% of the time. When that changes is when you become a mentor versus a professor. And I have so many, uh, because especially the, my, my program has a dominant military veteran population. And so we connect on that level and we talk about our experiences in the military, but we talk about how that transition to civilian life impacted us or maybe they're going through it right now. And so I'm able to share those little bits of me that were my personal side, those personal opinions. And what I find is when we move from teacher-student relationship to mentorship, the mentorship allows us to be a little bit more personable, but it also allows the student to be a little bit more personable. And I have found throughout my years now, of, uh, about eight years, I think, of teaching, the more personable you, you are, the more they will come to you when there's a problem. When life happens, you don't just get an email that says, hey, I'm going to be late. You get a story, and when you can build that story, you understand your students, then you know how to really assist them. And Sometimes it's just a shoulder to say, I understand. Please take an extra day or two or you know, whatever is needed. And sometimes it's uh, that you have to be strict and say, well, I'm still the professor. And there is a line there, and I've, I've really the, the only thing that separates that for me is social media. So I don't add students to Facebook, right? Once you graduate, if we had a mentorship responsibility or, or role, then I will connect with you on LinkedIn, right? Because I have a lot of students on LinkedIn. Uh, and so connecting with students in a professional manner to make sure that while they're a student, it doesn't look like there's bias, there's no you know, personal relationships, anything like that. Um, that's really important. And I was told that one of the first years uh, teaching was not to give out your cell phone. Well, I do that anyway, uh, because I want <laughs> students to have direct access to me. 
And if you call me at 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to call you the next morning. My phone's going to be turned off anyway. Uh, and so those are the kinds of things that th there is a shift in traditional academia. And I think online education is helping that uh, because online education has a lot of adjuncts and adjuncts are part-time that they have uh, another career. And most of the time they're mentoring students on how to become part of that career versus just the academic side. It's not just lecture-based. And so when you have lectures and the students just turn in assignments, you give them a grade and they move on, you don't really build that relationship. Versus doctoral students, we're trying to build colleagues, and that's a whole different environment that you really have never thought about uh, until you reach that level. And you're like, yeah, you know, an undergraduate student, absolutely, I, I would have that same relationship, but I never tried to get them to be me, be my level. I was just giving them information for them to pass a test or turn in an assignment. And uh, I, so I honestly, if I, if I ever have the chance, I, I never plan to leave doctoral work. That is the level at which I now enjoy that mentorship. I love building students to become colleagues. Uh, and that's absolutely my goal now, uh, anytime I deal with students. What's three things that you wish you had known prior to reaching the level where you are now, you know, prior to becoming the, the professor, the mentor, um, the, you know, the uh, prior to becoming this, uh, who, this person, this, I still say balanced. I know you say it's a facade, but, <laughs> but honestly, who says that balance means perfection? Like, let's just go ahead and put that out there. Like, I think that you, I think that you are imperfectly, perfectly balanced. Like if that's how you want to say it, but what are three things that you really wish someone of someone would have told you um, being a millennial now with your doctorate, you know, like what, what are at least three things that you think this, you would have been like, ah, it would have been nice for me to know that before I started down this road. Oh my goodness. Uh, the first thing would have been the mental drain that occurs, uh, especially in the role of academia. Uh, I love my work and if I can do academia forever, I'd love to, but especially in doctoral academia, reading dissertations and uh, doctoral studies uh, every day. That, that is my key role in my position uh, in both of the universities I teach in. And so I spend every day reading dissertations. I get mentally drained pretty quick. And so you, you rarely get uh, vacation time in academia. Uh, both of my programs have continual classes. So there's there's no break for uh, full-time professors. And so uh, you have to use that vacation time. I'm, I'm starting to learn that. Uh, even, even weekends, uh, I'm trying my hardest not to use weekends for professional work. That's difficult, right? You get one day behind and it's hard to catch up. But definitely trying to balance that work life is, is more than just uh, putting all of the pieces on a, on a a plate and figuring out how they fit together into a, uh, a little pie chart of your time. It, it really becomes, what is it every day? I have a task list every day. I have to understand the division of time and from day to day, from week to week, those change dramatically based on the number of students that turn in their assignments, the number of students that are preparing defenses, 
the number of karate classes we have this week. Uh, so many things uh, make a mental drain. So the first thing is understanding work-life balance and how to say, um, I need a vacation or I'm going to take my leave um, for this couple of days or this week. And I'm finally starting to get that. It's, under, it's, it's important to understand that we all need a mental break. And for that to happen, you have to take your vacation time. You have to take your weekends. And uh, I have finally started doing that, mostly because my organization required it last year. Um, they, they administratively started pushing their professors to take their time off. And so I said, you know what, that's an excellent idea. Um, let's take some vacation time. I spent it with family, um, but not just sitting at home. We went out and did stuff. Uh, we went to the mountains and um, you know, had a great time as a family without the distractions of work. And so that's definitely the, the, the first important lesson that I wish I knew was how to have done that a lot earlier than I did now. Uh, but the second is very similar, and that is understanding that I have to be able to say no. When I took my uh, first positions, uh, when, I, when I first got my doctoral degree, I had, I think, 12 total roles in all the organizations that I worked with. I was working with nonprofits. Uh, I was working with uh, different levels of the veterans of foreign wars in officer positions. Uh, I was working you know, two different jobs, uh, and I was just always doing something. I had no free time. And so understanding that sometimes you have to say no. And even at a job, if it's more than what you're required to do, sometimes you have to say no. And sometimes you, you just have to say no to yourself. Like I, I have been pushing and pushing and pushing, uh, but I can't do that anymore. And whatever it is that I need a break from, whatever it is that, uh, you know, you do as a person that uh, alleviates your stress, if you just sit and do it and do it and do it, you're just going to burn out. And I got really, really close to burnout uh, a few years in, but I finally learned to say no. I dropped about half of my positions. I added a few more and then I got rid of a couple more. Uh, and so now what I find is, is I have to be doing something. That's why I took another degree because I love to punish myself. Uh, <laughs> Obviously you do love to punish yourself because I was like, I'm sorry, you're doing what, sir? Like, okay, you know what? You are taking this whole life learner thing to a whole nother level. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I plan to, to learn forever. And I told my wife, cause she just, uh, in her last class of her undergraduate degree. Uh, and so she's, you know, determining whether or not she wants to go to a graduate degree. And she said, but uh, I'm going to take six months off. And I did the same thing after my doctoral degree before I got my postdoc. I took uh, about a year off. But about six months in, I was like, I'm bored. I am doing so yeah, much yeah. stuff, but I'm bored in terms of learning. And so all the things I was doing was practicing. I was only doing it, but I wasn't learning anything new. And so for me, like I was bored. I was mentally bored. And so that's uh, what led me to my postdoc. And then it took me about five years after that before I said, nope, let's go ahead and do another one. And so uh, this summer I said, no, let's go ahead and enroll to another course. 
but this will be it. I told my wife, after this, I'm not allowed to take another college degree, but I can do <laughs> executive education. <laughs> I have to be able to continue learning, uh, but I'll take seminars and, and short classes, um, mostly because college degrees cost a lot of money. <laughs> You get like certifications, certificates, and things. Absolutely. Executive education. Yes. Wow. And what about the third thing? You know, the third thing really is is more personal life, and it has nothing to do with a, a doctoral degree. Uh, but it's kind of the, the life lesson that happened while I was getting my degree uh, in. 2012, uh, I got divorced, which was uh, the year I started my doctoral degree. And I had to understand how to take care of myself as a person. Uh, this coming from uh, someone who has post-traumatic stress and had traumatic brain injuries from my military service, I was still dealing with that. Uh, and that had been you know, seven, uh, about six years uh, since those things occurred. I was still dealing with it, um, but what happened for, for myself and why I got divorced was I had a moment of clarity in my life that said, your relationship is causing some of your problems. And it's not that the relationship wasn't a good relationship in terms of you know the love was there, but connecting with people just because people are, are good for a relationship doesn't mean it's good for you as a person. And so I had to figure out how the people in my life impacted me. And I found that, that there are parts of that relationship that continue to, in, uh, to yeah, inhibit my ability to uh, move on from my traumas. And so I, I had to take that step and say, I have to put myself first. So I did that, uh, and of course, that was during my doctoral degree, and I almost quit my program. Uh, in fact, I almost quit three times in my program. But I had a group, uh, and you may know them, uh, Dr. Karina Robinson and uh, Dr. Uh, Leilani, uh, Lonnie, Lonnie Wright, um, and them and uh, um, Reverend Kenny, uh, Kenneth Johnson, those three. So we, we used to have an email thread for our cohort, and those were three people in that uh, email thread. And I sent out an email, and I said, I don't think I can come back on Monday. And they sent me an email back collectively. Um, all of them said if I didn't show up on Monday that they would drive to Colorado Springs, uh, and they would make sure that I returned. And it really was uh, a kick in the butt that said, even though life is hard, you have people behind you, and we're going to make sure you get to that finish line. And so I really understanding that the people around you are the most important, and if it's negative and it's creating negativity, you have to make a change. But you also have to surround yourself with those positive people, those people who will push you. They will threaten to kick your butt and get you there on Monday morning. And sometimes, and I needed that. I absolutely needed that. I needed someone to kick my butt and put me in gear. And and now I'm here. And none of that would have happened if I'd have left. You know, you, you mentioned that it it makes me miss uh it makes me miss the camaraderie that I had with my cohort. You know, it's it's a different it's a different playing field when 
you when you are sharing an experience with people, you know, when you're sharing your your whole educational experience, but with like minded people, um, it's 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 different. You do form a bond with the people that you are actually you know, going through a program with as opposed to the people who are still your friends on the outside, but it's just different, you know, because they're going through many of the same changes that you are. And so the understanding, you know, that that relatability is there. So, okay, this has been, this has been amazing so far. And it just, it really feels like the leader's lab right now has like couches in it. Like we're just lounging around. <laughs> Like we're just lounging around, catching up and, and everything. And it's, it's been really awesome. Um, but I do have like one final question. It's Absolutely. like it now it's becoming the question of the lab now. Uh, so I'm going to ask you the, the question in the lab. What is one characteristic you believe every leader, no matter the field, should possess? One characteristic that you believe that every leader should possess? You know, it, it's going to be an interesting statement. Um, procrastination. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, Wait, what? Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> what? I am the worst procrastinator, and I have I have uh, told this to all of you know many of my professors, many of my colleagues. Um, if my bosses are watching this, you did not hear this, um, but I am a very big procrastinator in the sense that I have to have a deadline. If I don't put a deadline on a task, it never gets done. And, and that happens in my academic research. I have been working on that uh, academic research on theological preferences for about three years now. And even though I do research every day, you know, uh, the concept of research and, and working with students on research, um, the reason I say procrastination is because we have to understand as leaders how everybody else works differently than us. And so if I have uh, you know, a leadership style, if I have a mentoring style, if I do anything the way that I think other people want me to be, it's not going to work out well. Instead, I have to figure out what it is that the person that I'm trying to mentor uh, best needs. If you tell me that time management is the best way for me to work, I'm going to tell you absolutely that's very wrong. And it doesn't work. And I've tried since I started my doctoral program, before I started my doctoral program, and, and as a professor in all of my roles, I tell myself every quarter uh, for new classes, this will be the day I don't wait until the last day to grade assignments. I still wait until the last day to grade assignments. And I don't do it because there's you know, a, a rationale for it in terms of I need to wait to grade these assignments. But it's because I have so many other things in life that I prioritize by deadline. And anytime that there's not a deadline, the rest of it goes to my family. If you don't understand that as a mentor, and you were to say, as we preach, we preach time management in doctoral programs. But time management doesn't mean what you think it means. It's how I think it means, what works best for me. And what works best for me is if you tell me as my boss, here's a deadline, get this done, it's gonna be done. 
If you tell me, hey, I'm looking at this, will you please do it? I might get to it in a couple of weeks. And so if it's important, let me know it's important. But I think that transitions into life and it transitions especially into mentorship. We all have great experiences. Sometimes they're negative experiences. But if I take what I have learned, if I take my life experiences, they're not going to be exactly the same as yours. They're not going to lead to the same outcome. They're not going to come to the same expectation if I tell somebody else, this is what happened, take the moral of the story and use it. I have to be able to connect that to how does this exact experience connect to your experiences? If I don't ever know what those experiences are, I don't ever know what it is that you're trying to connect this to, you're probably going to hear the story and you're going to forget it. But if I take that time to build a connection between how my story or my moral of my story connects directly to you in the situation, in this experience, you're probably going to use it. And hopefully, I've gotten many of these comments from students, so I'm hoping it continues to work. But that one step of building from leadership to mentorships and saying, now, how does this relate to you? How can I connect what I have learned to best assist you? And then you have to take the ball. You have to share with me enough information so that I can give you a quality response. In life, we hide lots of things from people. As we talked about, even on social media, there are parts of our lives that not everybody knows, which also means I can't give you advice about something when I only know 25% of who you are. That's a really big, important key for leadership, for mentorship, and overall just being a really good person. Right. Wow. That was great. All right. Thank you for that. And literally, you that was... That knocked me off all the way completely, but but you explained it in a way that I was like, oh, he's good. <laughs> you explained it in a way where I'm like, okay, all right, he just fixed it. Cause I'm like, did he just say procrastination? Yeah. I might be I, an amazing leader. I mean, I am never going to end it. I I'm never going to stop. I can't. I I have tried to. <laughs> it, it is. It is. I, I would say if you put me on a pie chart, seventy three percent of that is is going to be procrastination. Uh, and then the rest of that, uh, besides 1% is going to be family. And then the, the other 1% is going to be every other thing in my life. I love it. I love it. So honest. And I love the whole thing about time management is in the eye of the beholder. Basically, like time management is in the eye of the beholder. Wow. Listen, and entre leaders, I know that you all have enjoyed this um, this episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. I don't know if you enjoyed it as much as I have, but uh, but <laughs> because I have literally been sitting over here. Of course, you know, guys, I, I take notes when I have. You don't sit in the presence of leadership. You don't sit in the presence of of wisdom and not take notes. I learned that from from a mentor several years ago. Um, you, you just you. You can't leave everything to your memory. And so, yes, I'm even as the host of this podcast, I'm sitting over here, I'm taking notes. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Uh, so listen, Dr. Christopher Linsky, how can people get in touch with you? Once, obviously, we know about TikTok. Now we, <laughs> we know about your TikTok. Okay, I'm going to Just remember, if, if, you, if you see me on TikTok, you don't know me on TikTok. That's right. the rule. <laughs> <laughs> But how can people also get in, uh, get in touch with you? 
Oh, absolutely. The, the best way is LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn every day. So please uh, reach out, connect with me. Let me know that you're joining from Dr. Charity uh, so that I know to connect with you. Um, but, you know, if you need advice, if you want to know, especially doctoral programs or education, uh, if you're a military veteran, uh, anything I can do to assist, especially in your professional lives, uh, please feel free to reach out. Let me know who you are and, and where you found me. Uh, but I am here. I, I Mentorship is my life, uh, even though I do it in academia uh, and I do it for veterans. I'm here to be as honest and open as I can with people. And if I can provide any advice for you, uh, for your followers, I'm here to be of assistance. So please let me know. For those of you who are listening to the audio version of this, um, I have up there uh, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Linsky three and TikTok is at Dr. Ski three. But you know, you can also just go to the show notes and you can, uh, you'll be able to see all of his details right there in the show notes. And don't forget that you can also connect with me on social media everywhere. I'm, I'm literally on everything, but active is a different story. Okay. But I'm literally on everything at Dr. Charity TV. And again, I can't say enough, Dr. Christopher Linsky. Thank you so much for coming to the Leaders Lab on today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. I've enjoyed catching up with you and hopefully providing some great information for your followers. So good. So good. So good. All right. Listen, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the episode of the Leaders Lab podcast. And I'll see you guys next week in the lab. Thank you for listening to the Leaders Lab podcast. Visit our website at www.drcharitytv.com and follow us on all social media platforms with at Dr. Charity TV.